On today's episode of the Digging In Podcast, we talk about the Apostle Paul. Why, hello there. Welcome to another episode of the Digging In Podcast's Lessons from Series. And now, here's your host, Finn Foster. Was that creepy? Felt creepy. Um, I'm probably going to delete it. And if I don't, it's because I forgot. That's really it. <laughs> Sorry about all that. I just really felt like I needed to do something new, you know? Really spice it up a little bit now that we're almost done with this entire podcast series. <laughs> hey guys, for real, well, uh, welcome. Welcome to another episode of the Lessons From series here at the Digging In Podcast. We are so stoked that you are here with us today to continue talking about disciples, to continue talking about like the zoomed in version of the disciples. I think oftentimes we, we, we know the disciples exist and we know that they're in scripture and we look at them from this like kind of massive group perspective. And so to zoom in on, on some some of these disciples and to talk about what it looks like to be a disciple and how they responded is it's kind of a cool way to look at it. So with that being said, today we move on to not just a disciple, but an apostle. Now, he's a disciple in the grand scheme of things in the same way that you and I are disciples, but he was not one of the original 12 disciples. So this comes much later, right? This is this is a later happening um, in, the, in the story and in the history of um, everything that's been happening with uh, Christ and with his, the way that he's raised up these people to not just follow, um, not just walk after him and learn what he teaches them, but to be with him, spend time with Jesus, and then to go from there out of the overflow of their hearts, out of the faith that has been instilled in them by Christ and the belief that they have in God, that they would actually then go and respond appropriately to the transformative work in their heart and invite other people into that exact same transformation, not by filling seats in their churches or by putting on a concert, but by preaching the gospel, the true gospel, that, and they never waver from it and they never back down from it. So that's what this discipleship looks like. Now, the word apostle, as some of you may know, is really all it means is that it's the one who is sent out. So a disciple follows, but not all disciples are, in, in a theory, not all disciples were really sent out, but they actually were. That's just how it goes. <laughs> if you're a disciple of Christ, uh, you're also being sent out. Uh, that's just, I mean, it's, that's literally the Great Commission. Follow me, learn from me. Follow me, learn from me. Follow me, learn from me. Spend time with me. Know me. Learn me. All that kind of stuff. But then go out. In fact, there's three moments. This is crazy. I can't believe I haven't even talked about this yet. Actually, you know what? I'm going to hold on to that. I'm going to hold on to that to the last episode of this season <laughs> or of this uh, series. Never mind. Just uh, rem remind me, would you? Just remind me that I was supposed to talk about something. <laughs> oh, never mind. This is dumb. I'm laughing for no reason. But for real, guys, today we talk about Paul, who is a, in a grand scheme, a disciple of Christ, but on a different level is the apostle of Christ, the one who really, really explodes the early church, right? So Peter, Peter is someone who um, at some level we, we know and we love because he's a human being and we should have a lot more appreciation for him and of him. And what we know about Peter is that he goes on to preach the gospel and he brings all kinds of people into a place where they can actually understand the gospel and know it to be true. And he's kind of the origins of the earliest of the churches. That being said, who who follows him is, is Paul. 
And Paul becomes the guy who really plants churches. I mean, he seriously gets after it. In fact, Paul and Peter's relationship at times was kind of rocky. There's actually a moment where Paul doesn't believe that Peter's actually preaching the correct gospel or that he's you know, sugarcoating some of it. So he has to send someone to go and make sure that he's teaching the correct gospel. So Paul kind of becomes this, you know, big important guy in in the world of the disciple apostle kind of role. And so that's something that we need to key in on, something we need to understand. But honestly, before we dive into anything about Paul, we need to grab our Bible, our pen, and our paper so we can dig in. Father God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for just a change in in season, a, a change in existence. It feels like there's just brand new things happening in every direction. So God, thank you so much for the newness of life. And with that newness of life, thank you for the transformative work that you did from Saul to Paul. God, that he once was someone who oppressed, even murdered Christians. And yet you turned even the worst of them into someone who would follow you lovingly and who would train up others to love you so much. So thank you for his example of life and thank you for his training and his teaching and thank you for the way that you used the Holy Spirit, the same Holy Spirit that each of us now have to work in Paul to make him into the man that you wanted him to be. God, we love you and we pray that you would be with us today and open up our eyes, our ears, and our hearts to see, hear, and know exactly what you want us to know today. We love you, Lord. In your name, amen. Right on, guys, the story of Paul. So the story of Paul is a, it's a dense one. <laughs> uh, some of you guys may know, uh, you know a little bit about Paul. Some of you guys may know his transformation story, because guess what? That's what we're going to read today is actually going to be his transformation story. And we're going to read a little bit more than just that, just to kind of get, a, get an understanding of who Paul is. But then we're going to, again, watch his trajectory of life and figure out what he's doing and how he's making great the name of the disciple of Christ, ultimately by making Christ's name great. So uh, without further ado, why don't you guys go ahead and grab that there Bible of yours. And find yourself to the way of Acts 9. Once you're in Acts 9, I want you to read your first reading today is Acts 9, 1 through 19. Acts 9, 1 through 19. And once you're done reading that, I want you to go ahead and join us back for our discussion. All right. Acts 9, 1 through 19. Crazy story, am I right? I hope you guys had the chance to actually catch those opening words, because this is very important. Again, some of you guys may know the story. Some of you have heard it before. Maybe you've heard it a thousand times, but guess what? It doesn't matter. The point of the Bible is not how many times have you read it or how many times have you heard one story. It's how willing are you to open up yourself? How willing are you to allow God to actually speak to you through scriptures? Because here's the deal. I was thinking about something entirely different for where I was going to go today, and then this stuff kind of popped into my head and I was like, why am I not talking about this? All because I read it. And so there's directions and there's plans that God has, but ultimately through his scriptures, he wants to illuminate and give us new perspective. And he wants to let us read the same text over and over and over again. So that way we can learn even more. So just bear with me and open yourself up to this moment. Allow God to actually speak to you through maybe a story you've heard before. 
So let's read these first words together. But Saul, wait, who? Saul. Huh, okay. Some guy named Saul. Great. But Saul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues of Damascus or at Damascus so that if he found any of them at the high priest's office, because I guess he's in charge of all the letters, <laughs> um, he says, if, if there's anyone in here who belongs to the way, which is Christians, those who follow Jesus, if there's anyone who belongs to the way, men or women, he wanted to bring them bound to Jerusalem. Now, just as he went on his way, he approached Damascus and suddenly a light from heaven shone around him. So what is this saying? Well, this is saying this guy named Saul is looking as he's still seething with anger. He's threatening to murder and kill. And he already has and to murder and kill more of these people belonging to the Christian way. He says, I'm going to do it. In fact, if there's any letters in here, I'm going to find these men and women. I'm going to bring them bound. I'm going to arrest them and bring them bound like slaves across the land until they get into Jerusalem where I will kill them. So he's on the way to go look for these letters and go look for these men and women that he's going to bind up and then bring them to Jerusalem to kill them. He's on his way to do that. And suddenly a light from heaven shone all around him. And falling to the ground, he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city and you will be told what you are to do. The men who were traveling with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. Saul rose from the ground, and although his eyes were opened, he saw nothing. They led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus, and for three days he was without sight, neither ate nor drank. So, in other words, <laughs> something crazy is happening. We're, we're looking at a situation in which this guy named Saul is on his way to murder Christians. And this light shines down, causing him to fall to his knees. This, is, this looks and sounds a lot like Isaiah 6, where Isaiah has a vision where he goes into the temple of the Lord and he falls down to his knees and he's like, I can't be here. I, I should not be here. I can't even look up. You're too holy, God. And he says, who are you, Lord? Who are you? And God says, I am Jesus. I am Jesus, is what he says. How crazy is that? This is Jesus talking from heaven. We forget that this is actually happening. Jesus is talking to Saul from heaven, saying, you're the one who's persecuting me. But instead, I don't want you to do that anymore. I want you to uh, go ahead and walk into this town, and someone there will tell you what to do. And so he... Saul, the murderer of Christians, hearing from Jesus, the one who he knows started this whole movement, instead of being more furious and more angry, what does he do? He stands up and he goes. He responds to Jesus and he knows at that moment that who he is hearing is worth listening to. 
So uh, crazy, <laughs> super crazy moment. And if you guys continued to read, then you read the story of how this other person is now in this town. His name is Ananias. And Ananias faithfully responds to the words of God and meets Saul and then goes and basically kind of walks with Saul. It says, seventeen, verse 17, So Ananias departed and entered the house, and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes and he regained his sight. Then he says the next thing that's going to happen is that you have now gained your sight and you are going to now receive the Holy Spirit. But notice what was not said, but what ends up happening, which is that Saul then goes to get baptized and then receives the Holy Spirit. So right here, Saul is recognizing the importance of baptism this, this washing, just like Jesus did with John the Baptist, this washing and coming up out of the water is a cleansing ritual. It's a physical expression of the faith that he now has. But it's not just the physical expression. Rather, this is the moment in which the Holy Spirit enters. For the longest time, I've held to the belief that baptism is just a physical expression of an inward realization. That once you have faith and you believe that Christ is Lord, that you uh, you don't need to go get baptized right away. You know, it's it's more of just like a once it happens, it happens. You you have the opportunity now to just more more or less you have the opportunity now to go get baptized to tell everyone else what you're doing. That's not what's happening in this moment. Baptism is the moment in which the Holy Spirit was given. That Christ had already died. So it wasn't just that Christ died and now the Holy Spirit's just there ready for anyone to take him. You can just grab him whenever you want. It's this transformation that happens in which Saul went from Saul to this new person. And this new person has a new spirit living within him all because he responded to God, to God's call and work in his life, responded to it appropriately, did it obediently, and then went and got baptized so that he could get the Holy Spirit. And now this goes on for a little while. Um, and then we, you know, Peter, Peter kind of comes into the story here in Acts uh, 10 as well. Um, and Acts 9 also, we read a little bit about him. And so what we start reading is that, um, you know, the story of this, this Saul guy is, is starting to kind of change. So this Saul guy came out of nowhere and he seemed to be a guy who was murdering Christians and now he is someone who is being made different. In fact, in Acts 13 is when we start to see this change really begin to happen. Saul kind of re-enters the scene after a bunch of passages about Peter and there's this other guy, um, <laughs> his name is Barnabas and Barnabas and Saul are about to go on a mission trip together. And part of this mission trip is to Gentile nations. And I say part of it. I mean, the whole thing. <laughs> the whole thing is for Gentile nations. So Paul or Saul and Barnabas are about to go out to Gentile nations to preach the gospel that, that Saul was literally just introduced to. He just understood the gospel message, was just baptized and received the Holy Spirit. And he's already going out to teach. 
How brilliant, how amazing is that? Not only that he's teaching to Gentiles, those who don't have the Jewish belief. So he is preparing to do that. And then all of a sudden, Saul's name says Saul, who was also called Paul. And then his name is used as Paul from then on out. His name changed, just like we've seen with all these name changes. It's a new identity. And it's based on the fact that he now has the Holy Spirit living within him. And so we see this moment of Paul then going out on these mission trips. He takes three missionary journeys. And what I want you to know about Paul is that the story of Acts is like this giant outline of the Acts of the Apostles. It's this giant viewpoint of these guys who went out to preach and and teach and and spread the gospel. So the, the entire Acts story isn't really about just Paul. In fact, there's a lot of people who are mixed in there, but it does outline the three mission journeys that Paul took to go and plant churches. And and that's kind of where I want to go on our next step here, as I want us to look at Paul from this pretty interesting and new perspective. And that perspective is this. Something that we have to really gather in this moment is that this Saul to Paul transformation is a radical moment in which a murderer of Christians was brought to his knees by the shining sun and the voice of Jesus from heaven, who then blinded him and then regave him sight three days later. This crazy transformation story is unlike any other in scripture, but it's similar to moments, right? But that this transformation was so radical and so different for Saul that in his new name, Paul, he becomes a brand new person. And in that being a brand new person, he goes and he preaches the gospel to Gentile nations. And he does that by planting churches. He goes and he he plants these churches to preach the gospel. He gathers people around him just as Jesus gathered people around himself to preach the true and genuine gospel. And so what we do know for a darn near certainty is that seven different letters are written to these churches that Paul absolutely wrote. And so what those those letters are, are Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, 1st Thessalonians, and Philemon. And so if you look at those one more time through there, you've got the church in Rome, you've got a letter to the church in Corinth, a letter to the church in Galatia, a letter to the church in Philippi, a letter to the church in Thessalonica, and a letter to a guy named Philemon. That is seven absolutely certain letters written to six churches, sorry, five churches and one guy. And then on top of that, are the ones that I would say are most definitely still written by Paul, but some scholars would argue against. And that would be Colossians and 2 Thessalonians. And then also I would go so far as to say Ephesians is also most definitely written by Paul. It has the same sound, the same feel. Now, Timothy, maybe not. Titus, maybe not. Hebrews, definitely not. I can talk about that a different day. But ultimately, of the, of the letters of the New Testament, the epistles of the New Testament, he's written, in my opinion, like 10 to 13 of them. So that's a whole bunch of different churches who Paul has visited or who has helped plant at some level, all based on the fact that he was transformed by Christ and then take seriously the call to then go and explain that and to use his own life as a testimony, an example 
of who God is and what he's capable of doing, but then to teach the genuine and true gospel. He doesn't just rely on his, on the testimony. He doesn't just rely on his transformation story. He doesn't just rely on facts and information. He relies on the gospel message. And we know that to be true because of the way that he raises up other people. In fact, as he writes these letters, oftentimes what he's doing is he's just re-explaining the gospel to these churches. He's addressing certain church issues that he maybe has heard about, but he's also just addressing the gospel message. In fact, the book of Romans, which is considered one of the greatest books ever written, one of the greatest letters, books, whatever you want to call it, written to a people group ever, is literally just the gospel. He literally says in the very beginning, I want to be with you, but I can't right now. So because I can't be with you, I feel compelled to give you an accurate account of what the gospel story really is. And so Paul pieces together the important elements of what it means to understand the gospel in just the letter to the Romans. And so Paul is this guy who was once murdering Christians. Guys, literally, this, this, it's something that we say, right? It's, it's like when we talk about, sometimes we talk about Jesus' death and resurrection. We're like, yeah, Jesus died and he raised again. And that's just that. Like, we just say it because it's fact to us. But do we actually understand the weight of that? Like, he was literally dead. Have you ever seen a dead person? First off, sorry if you have. It's creepy. It's so creepy because they are without life. They are motionless. They have no blood coursing through their veins. It is completely and totally death. And then after three days of that death, he then rose up out of the grave. His body and all, not just like a his body stayed there and this little white ghostly spirit kind of evat, like came out of him. And No, no, no. His body rose from the grave. Like we just talked about that like it's no big deal. That's, that's a topic for a different day, but... Same thing with Paul here. What I'm saying is that what's happening to Paul is that he, he's literally been transformed. He's been made into a brand new person. Think about this for a second. Just a quick second here with me. He was murdering Christians. People who professed to know Jesus. And that again, that wasn't just the 12 disciples. In the, in the story of Acts, in the very beginning of Acts 1 and Acts 2, we find that all kinds, thousands of people began to follow Jesus and thousands of people were given the Holy Spirit. And he's going out finding each and every one of them, killing them. He is a hitman. He feels that it's his divine authority that gives him the right to go and kill other people just because of what they believe. He was a radical extremist person, just killing other people with different beliefs, which is a lot like what we saw in the early 2000s with um, Al-Qaeda and the Taliban, right? If you weren't this specific type and this specific version of extremist Muslim, we were going to kill you, especially if you were American. So Paul is saying, if you aren't exactly my version of my type of Jewish person, I'm going to kill you, especially if you're a Christian. He was literally murdering them. And then as he's going to figure out more people, he's getting ready to update his list of people that he needs to go be a hitman and kill. Light shines down from heaven. He falls to his knees, recognizes the voice as that of Jesus, and his life changes forever. Jesus didn't touch him. Jesus didn't snap his fingers. Jesus spoke. 
by his words, he created a new life. And so what we have to understand is that he's writing these letters to people as a transformed person. And how he's doing that as a transformed person is he's not just saying, here's my story and how it transformed me. Isn't Jesus cool? He's not just relying on a testimony. He's relying on the gospel story, which is the connected dots between Genesis to Revelation. That Jesus was the one who was always being talked about. He's the complete fulfillment of everything. And it's you who needs to know that. Everyone needs to know that. So that's why every one of his letters at some level has those tinges of the gospel. As he says, this is the most important thing for you to know. Yes, you have church issues and I'll get to those. But if you don't know the gospel story, then these church issues will just continue. If you don't know the gospel story, then you're going to continue to live in sin. If you don't know the gospel story, you cannot be a Christian. If you don't know the gospel story, the message of Christ's life, death, and resurrection, then there's no way you can be saved. That's what he relies on. That's what Paul does is he brings forward the truth of the gospel in a way that's so abundantly clear to each of these churches and then to us today that we rely on them heavily as we explain it to other people. So whether you realize this or not, Paul is teaching you. The Holy Spirit through Paul is teaching you. Your eyes are being opened to his teachings because of the Holy Spirit who also lives in you as he illuminates those things to you. So guys, the story of Paul is crucial for us to know. The lessons are massive. But as we look at the trajectory that we've been going on, that we started with the stories of Andrew, Simon, Philip, and Nathaniel with their willingness to just follow Jesus. That they were willing to accept the fact that this Jesus was special. That there was something happening. And then we moved into the stories of James and John, that they were willing to leave behind their entire life, even as wealthy and well-off people, that they felt that returning to that was nothing in comparison to knowing this Jesus of Nazareth. So much so that they were accepting the transformation that he was about to do to them. It's just accepting it right off the bat. Then we looked at the story of Peter, the human, who was just simultaneously so in love with God, but also still so scared of other things. That he wanted the transformation sometimes, but other times didn't know what that really meant and what it was going to look like. And he thought it, 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 might be bring, it might bring pain to him. So he was so human, he's so in love, but then he turned out to be someone so amazing. And now we read the story of someone who did turn out, again, just like Peter, to be someone amazing, but someone so amazing that he planted churches in the name of Jesus. And not only that, he gives forward to us through the Holy Spirit within him. He gives forward to us the same exact understandings that every one of Christians around the world hold to as the gospel truth. How many times have we, have we used and quoted Romans and Corinthians, Galatians, Philippians, Thessalonians, Philemon, Ephesians. I mean, how often, Colossians, how often have you quoted those scriptures to explain the gospel or to preach the gospel to yourself or to explain your faith to someone? We all have. We all do it all the time. Those are the words of the Holy Spirit through Paul, all because he obediently responded to God's call in his life. He said, not my way, but your own. 
He accepted the transformation and he was obedient to the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Digging In Podcast Lessons From series. Join us in our next episode of All the Disciples as we talk about Timothy. Timothy.